This message is sponsored by the Center for Embracing Hope, Healing, and Renewal, a holistic health and wellness center. Faithless and hope, mental health and health go together. It's scientifically proven, y'all. Brought to you from the Consciousness Cultivator, in service to humanity, serving all of the mind, body, and soul's needs from various approaches. Welcome to Radical Awakening. I'm Zenobia. I'm Dr. Quesada. And I'm Michelle Bunting. So today we're talking about gratitude. And I think that's something that a lot of people need a lot more of. (laughs) What's your take, Zenobia? While Buddha (laughs) takes a back seat. I think gratitude is important, especially because the more gratitude you have, the more energy, the more you increase your positive energy, the more positive things you attract. So I feel like living a life with gratitude, making a conscious decision to focus on what's good is really important. What about you, Michelle? I think that a lot of people judge themselves in a lot of different ways instead of having a focused time where they they start making a list of all the things they're grateful for within themselves. And I think that's important because when we hear, oh, we should be grateful, we automatically start thinking of things outside of ourselves. I have a dry roof. I have plenty to eat today. I have clean clothes to wear. We start making that. And all those things are true. But what we don't do is I'm grateful that I got to be who I am today. I'm, I'm grateful that today I, I spoke my truth as best I could. I'm grateful that I forgave as much as I could. You know, today I'm grateful that, you know, I did my best. And we just start, I'm grateful for my body. You know, I do that in my, my sound bath meditations before I start the immersions. I always have that moment, you know, where all of us have to generate gratitudes for our body. Yeah, I love my body. I'm so grateful that my body breathes every day. I'm so grateful that it does it every night. I'm so grateful for all the things I'm not even aware that it does. And I don't think we spend enough time consciously forming thoughts, which are energy, about how we feel about ourselves. And so I agree. I agree with you completely that gratitude is a probably a mainstay that we don't focus on enough. I think that I, I just really started to grasp what you're talking about, Michelle. Recently, I thought about, you know, the things that I've been through in my life and how my body brought me through it. You know, how how my body stayed intact, even though I put it through a lot, you know, and that it continued to function even when I hated it, even when I was telling it that you know, even when I didn't want, I wanted to separate from it, it still continued to take care of me and my cells continued to regenerate and they remained healthy. And, you know, I really started to consider that. And it's like, I'm grateful for, for the way that I've been, that I've functioned even when I was living life in a way that I wasn't, that I wish I 
could have lived differently. I think that when we're grateful for what's happening in our lives, that increases our vibration in a different way and attracts more of the same. So like there's two different types. I think the gratitude about what I've done and who I am is is definitely positive, but I don't think it, it creates, like if I'm thinking about creating things in my life, creating, um, bringing in abundance, I'm not sure that it brings in abundance in the same way that being grateful for, you know, and maybe it's wrong. Maybe hearing myself talk about it, I I have to rethink that because when I'm grateful for the le- got person who smiled at me at the store or, you know, the person who held the door open for me or let me in when I was in traffic, you know, and, and didn't know if I could get out into the road, that too increases my abundance. What do you think, Wanda? I think I live my life um, in a place of gratitude because it's what taught me not to let my fears keep me from achieving my goals. You know, I I grew up as a poor kid. And so lack was such a big issue for me. It was a point of contention. I could not often see the future for the good that I had or the possibilities that I had because I was always stuck in, um, you know, I don't have enough of blank, whatever that is. And so I came to a point when I finally started to lean in on my faith. So I think someone in my church back then had suggested that I start a gratitude journal. And that was the beginning of the rest of my life. So I was able to really point out constantly what my blessings are, what I have, what I'm capable of doing and all my strengths and aspirations. And and so the things that I usually look to when I'm struggling is what I'm grateful for. And it usually helps me out of whatever I'm struggling with. I think that's also how I've always kept depression at bay. So yeah, I think gratitude is my engine. I love that, Wanda. I think that's such a beautiful way of describing it. Gratitude as an engine. I feel like I live my life like that too, but it doesn't always keep my um, depression at bay because I think my depression is more biological based than situational. But it definitely allows me to see my life more times than not in the light of what I have rather than what I don't have. And it also helps me to look at alternatives. So if something that the average person might think of as bad is happening, I may not necessarily think about it like that because I understand that, you know, all things work for the good. So or that's that's my basic what I've been working on for a few years now. So I divert, I made default to, I don't know why this happened, but I'm sure it's going to turn out okay. I think gratitude is the first step towards having a good life. I think that's like one of the major ingredients. You can't have a good life if you don't have gratitude. I agree with that. And I, I, in a lot of my practice, I've come across many people who don't really recognize gratitude for the strength that it is in your life. And so they struggle with, you know, depression and anxiety and all kinds of other disorders. And one of the coping skills I teach is to practice gratitude. And normally when I start this off and I'll say to my client, hey, so let's list the things that you're grateful for. And outside of like maybe their kids or a partner or maybe sometimes even job, they get stuck. They're not able to really recognize the good in their lives. So when I get down to it, 
I really try to help them find a magnifying glass, if you will, to be able to identify all the good things in their lives. And then by the time we're usually done with a the session, they'll say, wow, I really do have a lot to be grateful for. It works. It really works. I'd like to speak to something that Zenobia said earlier regarding the energy of gratitude with respect to manifesting and the differentiation of feeling gratitude for things outside of the self versus gratitude for things about the self. And so what science and technology have already established recently is that every human being is giving off an electromagnetic field. And that electromagnetic field is pulsing an energy, a frequency, a combination of frequencies. And this is the field that's around your body that other people can pick up on. So if you're in a snarky mood or if you're in a great mood, people can feel you're your vibing. And I find that when you focus thoughts about gratitude about the self, it takes gratitude to the next level. It puts gratitude on nitrous because instead of saying, I'm grateful for my career I'm grateful for my partner. You know, I find that instead what it's saying is it's communicating actually to the cells of our body, which science and technology have already recently established as well, are each individual forms of consciousness, which means your body is listening to what you're saying. So I find that with respect to manifesting, that if you focus more of that time contemplating thoughts about the self that you're grateful for. And it doesn't have to be very complicated. I'm grateful that I could walk across the room today. I'm grateful that I could, you know, I had exactly what I needed to get myself in and out of the shower. I'm grateful that I was able to wake up in a very good mood this morning. I'm glad that I was able to wake up. I'm grateful. And so when you start saying how grateful you are about the self, the body has an immediate physical electromagnetic reaction to the thoughts that you're forming about it. And so if you want to talk about anything as far as mobilizing energy at any level to manifest, that is to create that electromagnetic platform with which you want to attract certain experiences, I still say that expressing gratitude about the self is probably the, the best form of love that you can generate immediately. It, it can take you into humor. So for, for me, I'm, I'm kind of what you would call height challenged. But I could say instead, that's right, height challenged. But I could say instead that I am really grateful that I can find my way up to that third shelf and get what I need. You know, and it's going to cause some humor. So now not only am I expressing love for the self on something that I had previously judged, now I'm turning it into something not so serious. And so now I'm blending in the energies of humor and love. And so when you start really becoming an alchemist like that with your own energy, it's a game changer because most people do not understand that their thoughts are literally creating an electromagnetic field around their bodies. And it, it's all coming from the thought. It begins in the mind. So I love the topic of gratitude because I, I, 
I don't think we have enough opportunities as people who are in service to others to remind them to form thoughts about yourself that you're grateful for, even the things that you criticize. I would even say, especially the things that you criticize, because your cells are going to hear you and they're going to do a roundabout on that energy where they were feeling bad about themselves. Now you're telling the body, you're fly. You're fly just as you are right now in the moment. In this moment, you are perfect. I love you just the way you are. Because if you can't say that to yourself and allow your own body to hear that, you're going to have a really hard time really being in service to others. And Zenobia had said this a little while ago. You can only help others to the level to which you can help yourself. And so I, I especially think that gratitude and the expression to the self is probably the number one thing that we can do not only for ourselves, but for other people as well. I think I think you're right, Michelle. I think part of the challenge is that when you have, as a therapist, when you have um, significant trauma, you don't always see that there's a po anything positive. First, you don't even really recognize the self as a self because that's part of what trauma does. It takes away your onus of yourself and your body. So I think that gratitude, while it's important, I, and, and I, I love the description you gave about the consciousness of the cells and, you know, the cells regenerating based on what we tell it. It's like reparenting, right? It's like, it's, it's another way of, um, of parenting the inner child. I love that. However, I think that for a lot of people, we have to start outside and help them to think about how they, um, how what they take as a deficit has really been a positive. You know, so like, well, you know, I, someone may say, you know, I didn't have much when I was a kid and the reframe is, and you're right, you didn't, and that was that that was sad. However, you were able to make it through and look at where you are now. What how much strength you must have had in resilience. Sometimes resilience could be heard wrong or like heard as a bad word because people don't want to have to be resilient. So um, you know, maybe I may not use that word, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Like, I think we have to focus on kind of that first and then start. Well, actually, that was a comment on the the inner person, too. But but people who like I was saying, people who have trauma um, many times don't come with an internal self to the therapy room. What are your thoughts, Wanda? What are you seeing? I think that like you stated earlier, Trauma does separate people's ability to perceive themselves inside themselves. So the inside part of themselves almost like gets separated. And so all they see is whatever they've persuaded themselves or whatever beliefs they've created as a result of the trauma. Um, and so gratitude, I feel like starts to merge the perception of self back into the self where you actually can see yourself from inside out as opposed to from outside in. 
and and that's why I used the example. You know, I was very poor growing up, and so there was always this constant fear of not having enough, not knowing where the next meal was going to come, not knowing where I was going to live. You know, and all those other basic needs, how they were going to be met. And um, in my early adult life, I used to kind of sort of semi hoard <laughs> food. Uh, whenever I had, like, I got my paycheck, I would buy whatever I needed for food and then a little extra because just in case, right? Um, and usually the just in case food would go bad because I didn't use it because I didn't need it. Uh, thankfully, you know, I got past that. But essentially, it was being grateful that I could even buy more than I needed, which is what allowed me to get past that and then see myself for who I am. I am, I am safe. I have more, you know, I have a, an abundance of whatever it is I need. And then after I was able to really figure out, right, the outside, the external, then I could look in the internal. And then I could, un I was able to come to this understanding that, wow, I'm really loved. I have children who love me. I have a spouse that loves me. I have friends that love me. I have family that loves me. And so that allowed me to grow in security of myself and in security of all that surrounds me. I think too, right? Knowing that you, I think you must have come to a point where you were able to say to yourself, I don't need extra because I know that I can get what I need now. That is that reparenting that I think Michelle is talking about that I've just started practicing. I know I can take care of me now. I know I can keep me safe. So I don't have to do all the old behaviors that I had to do. And I'm grateful for that knowledge. So like where I used to have to buy a hundred extra dollars worth of groceries so that I had that in the pantry, just in case next week I lost my job. This time I know that I can find another job because I have skills. That's yes. where my gratitude is today. And yes. that is so powerful. I never was able to think about myself in that way because children are given the interject of the adult in their life. My parents and the people, the flying monkeys in my life told me that I, you know, they used everything against me. So my intelligence was bad because I didn't have any common sense. I was just smart. Anything that, that was uh, a positive, they figured out how to turn it around and turn it into something that was negative. And so um, I thought that I wasn't worth anything and that I really didn't have anything of value. And so it took me a long time and people would say, well, look at what you're doing. Look at your life. Look at how things are turning out for you. And I could not attribute that to me. I thought it was God who lived outside of me. I thought it was Michelle. Even you, Wanda, said to me, now, Zenobia, you were doing this stuff before Michelle, because I was working with Michelle, because I had to always attribute it to something outside of myself because there was, I was told that there was something wrong with me. It took a long time for me to get to a place where now I can say, you know, I did this. I may have done this with the help of Michelle, with the help of Wanda, with the help of God, with the help of Ophelia, but I did this. 
And now I can start to see how the gratitude extends to the woman that I am today rather than um, everything outside that that conspired. It still conspired to um, bring me a beautiful life that I, I absolutely love living. But I did that. I created that. There's so much power in that that I didn't know I deserved to have. I think it's, thank you for opening up to the eye, Wanda, because I think that it's important to, you know, speak from that place sometimes because um, I want people to know that healing is possible. Yeah. Absolutely. Michelle, when did you come to a place where you understood the power of gratitude? How did that manifest in your life? That's a really good question. That's actually an excellent question. I think it first started to really dawn on me I, I when I started to have mixed feelings about understanding that I created my reality. And then there was the duality of, oh, great, I'm empowered. I can create my own reality. And then I kind of looked at some of the things that I created um, and I was like, oh, shit, I create my reality. You know, and it was just like, oh, God. So but so <laughs> I realized that, you know, I had I had this mixed energy and that I was responsible for my energy. I could not abdicate the responsibility uh, for my feelings to anybody outside of me anymore. And that was a jagged little bit of a pill um, that I had to take some time to swallow because I had uh, as many people had I had been groomed into um, believing in victimhood mentality. And so, you know, I think that when I first started to understand the importance was when I was able to then kind of transmute some of the responsibility that I had placed on others, very honestly, back to myself and started to learn how to love myself more and more. And, and you know, that's a lifelong journey. I, I think for anybody along the way, you have to look at your people-pleasing tendencies. You have to look at your value system. You have to look at the identity that you constructed as a trauma response to keep you safe. And then you have to you know, unfold all of that and, and, and deconstruct it and then go through the pain of deconstructing unnecessary forms of identity that don't serve our highest good and then to try to reconstruct. And I think that through all of that journey, that I think that if we can constantly infuse ourselves with some level of gratitude for any thing about ourselves to put in that love is to acknowledge that to outsource the ability to feel validated on someone being able to perceive someone else being able to love us is a good beginning but ultimately we have to journey into that place where it's like now I'm going to figure out how to love myself more. I'm going to figure out how to love myself better than I did yesterday or last year so that I then become more competent to understand love. And so for me, gratitude began when I started to understand the duality of my journey and, and the pain of it. So then it was a conscious decision in showing that gratitude. Lots a long way around, but. So I love that you you came to that, um, Michelle, because that's one of the biggest things I preach in therapy. My clients are like, I can't get past this depression. I can't get past the anxiety. I can't get. And I'm like, 
okay. And then they're like, what is the secret? How do I get past this? And then I say this to them and they look at me like I'm growing a third eye. And I'm like, listen, the secret to getting past depression and anxiety and a bunch of other things is choice. It is choice. I'm sure that there's a bunch of people who will come after me <laughs> after they hear this. Well, it's not necessarily just listen. Shut up. It's choice. If you wake up every day and you choose to be a miserable shit, that's exactly how you're going to live your life. But if you wake up every day and you go, I'm, I'm going to choose to have a good day today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. Guess what? You will change the dynamic of your every day. And you might wake up and say, I'm going to choose to have a good day. And then somebody hits your car. You still have a choice. Will you get pissed off? Absolutely. And it's warranted. Somebody just hit your damn car. But you still have a choice. How you show up and how you react is a choice. I could sit here and continue to be the frustrated, angry, hurt little girl that I grew up to be. But I choose to be happy. I choose joy. I choose the things that make me feel good. Are there days that I don't feel good? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it'd be ridiculous to say that there's never a day that I don't feel frustrated or whatever the case is. But I still have a choice. I feel like I've come to a place as a result of gratitude where I can process a lot of difficult situations in my life and still keep going because I know that I have so much to be grateful for. That's what I tell a lot of people. And it's funny because at first they're like, what you talking about is a choice. Do you know that my husband is that this, that, and the third? Did you know that my son or my daughter is this, that, and the third? Did you know that my job is, it's still a choice. <laughs> it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. This whole podcast should be called, it's a choice. <laughs> But I do want to say that sometimes people have been in patterns of negative thinking for so long that we can't get to the idea of even choice right away. So I think small, manageable steps toward a larger goal of choice is helpful. And people don't want to do it because they don't want to do the work. You know, like you're not going to wake up and realize that it's a choice. Oh, it's a choice. You might wake up and realize that, but you still don't know what that means and how to put that into action. That means I'm going to rethink how I think about things. I'm going to be conscious in the moment. I'm going to practice being conscious in my day so I can pick up what I'm thinking and what's happening. And if I'm choosing to think like that or if it's automatic. I also want to listen to positive podcasts, positive music, read positive things. I want to meditate. If I can't sit and meditate, I want to walk and meditate. I want to spend time in nature. I want to have some sunlight. The more positive things that I put into my life, the more I have control of my life. Sometimes you have to institute worry time. Sometimes your mind will work against it. Well, you know, I got to think about that right now. But if I have a worry time that's between six and seven, then I can say, no, I'm not going to think about that right now. I'm going to wait until six o'clock to think about that. I'm going to enjoy this time in the present. 
I think that those are really important things because if somebody told me, somebody did tell me I had a choice. I had wonderful, beautiful therapists who I love and am grateful for who told me I had a choice and I thought they were full of shit. But I needed it to be like remedial because I was so empty. I probably couldn't, or like just as simple up as waking up and brushing your teeth every morning. Getting, making sure to wash your face and do a, a, a cleansing routine every day. Those are self-care things that help me to recognize that I am in control of me. I think that some of us have been so stripped of our autonomy through learned helplessness that it's really important to acknowledge that sometimes we have to take baby steps. And they still take us to the goal. They all, they do take us to the goal of choice. I'm here at choice. I have autonomy today. Thank you, Jesus. Because there was many years where I Amen. did not have any autonomy. Yes. But today I do. But it took me a lot longer may, than maybe it took you or Michelle. I don't possibly just because I'm slow in that area. Possibly just no. because. I mean, I'm not beating myself up. I'm just saying, like, I don't know why. It doesn't matter. Like, it's part of my journey. Some people need more remedial, and I did. No, you're absolutely right. There are people who cannot digest the entire process in one sitting. And that is, it's unique to each individual, right? Based on how much trauma, or how much pain they're in. But I think that people are quick to just call bullshit and not believe what is in fact effective. Like I said, I've had so many people tell me, you know, that that can't possibly be. Even in the small chunks, it's still a choice to actually take the next step. Because if you've been in an enormous amount of trauma and it has been, you know, lingering and affecting you for an enormously prolonged period of time, just even the conversation about everything being a choice is going to be difficult. And so for the most part, I guess, I guess the question is, is it that you have to just wait till they're ready to accept? Because, and this is, you know, this is a lesson, Zonomi, that I know you know, because it's taught very much in our field that you can't help somebody until they're ready to be helped and you can't want to help them more than they want to help themselves. So you meet them where they are. And the reality is that I feel like a lot of people say they want help, but they're really not in a place where they actually are willing to do the work for the kind of help that they need. And so, and I, I gotta tell you, like, I'm <laughs> y'all know I'm straightforward. So I tell people right away, I'm like, you know, I don't really think you're ready for therapy. And they'll look at me sideways. Like, what are you talking about? I'm here. Well, being here means shit. But I do. I confront my 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 clients all the time. Sometimes they like it. And they're like, thank you for being honest. And sometimes they're like, well, fuck you. I'm like, all right, see you in a couple of months or maybe in a year. Or maybe I'll see you never. But I do hope you get to a place where you're ready for therapy. But the reality is that, you know, and to your other point, Zenobia, you know, what you engage in every day, which I think I've said this before, what you feed your eyes is what you feed your soul. So if you're constantly exposed to really positive things and good things, right, eventually that stuff stays with you. 
and it makes a big change. But if you're still engaging in activities or swarming in an environment of just pure negativity, you're, it's going to be a hard struggle to take the next step. So what about you, Michelle? Any, th any new thoughts? You know, I was just listening and thinking about um, what you guys were saying. And, you know, because we're talking about gratitude today. And, and I like uh, something that Wanda had said earlier when she was saying there are some days when, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling it. And what I like about the practice of gratitude when it focuses on gratitude for self, that practice paves the way for those days for you to say, today, I'm not feeling it. And I give myself permission because we've, we've generated so much love for the self. It's like, yeah, I have permission to do this today. I have permission to grab the remote and not be on my best, not wash my face, right? Not do the thing, not express self-care in the best way that it could be. Today, I give myself permission to be here. And I think that too is a positive day. I think it depends on how we look at it. So even on the days when we're not feeling at our best or, you know, we're not, we're not feeling um, very positive about anything in life or even, even very grateful. I think just the acknowledgement that we can give ourselves that permission to not feel those things that day is also an expression of self-love. And I think it always, for me, it comes back to that because that's, that's what I find will communicate truth to people regardless of where they're standing. I meet a lot of people from different walks of life with various different backgrounds. And I find this one thing to be true. And that is if you can talk to them from the vantage point of seeing who they really are as you're able to see who you really are. And I liked how you said it earlier, Zenobia, you were remarking when you thought God was outside of you. And that that's just so, so important, I think, to say that because however you see God, I think it's important not to see it as something separate from you. And I think that the practice of gratitude with regards to self-love is the one way that we can kind of reconnect to that source of divinity, that source of unlimited abundance and, and love for ourselves and, and everybody else. So I was just kind of thinking about that as you guys were talking. Well, I think that um, if people just also had a map on how to find the gratitude, it would probably make it easier. And then I guess slowly but surely understanding the concept of choice. That's probably the best way. And I, and I would I, I would encourage people to, I don't know, make a cup of coffee, make a cup of tea, sit down with a journal next to a window. Or you don't have to have a journal. You could just pen and paper and just jot down everything you're grateful for. People say to me, oh, it's kind of like, silly for me to say, I'm so grateful that I have, you know, two legs and two arms. You know, you should be grateful that you know how to write, you know how to read. You know, there's a lot of people that suffer from cognitive and, you know, mental diseases that really like deteriorate your, your brain and make it impossible for you to do some simple tasks like write and read. I think that's a, a way to start. I don't know about you ladies. 
Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. I think that is a, a great place to start. And I think it really helps because when you start to change your behavior, your environment, they push back. You know, I remember when I started being grateful for things in my life. I remember I had a girlfriend I had met, I was working with her, I was working at a cab stand. At that time I was a cab dispatcher and she and I were friends and we would talk on the phone and her mother would say, what are you guys always laughing about all the time? You know, like you would think that her mother would like be happy that she found a friend that she could have a good time with. But like people don't always appreciate the change towards a more positive way of being um, because maybe it threatens them. Maybe it makes them think that maybe it makes them have to look at themselves and maybe they don't want to have to make changes and that's okay. So I think that like when you write things down, I know we tell people who are in bad relationships to write down a fact list, right? Like, okay, so what are the facts of the situation so you can remember them when you start to get weak? I think the same is true for the gratitude list. And I have someone that I work with daily and I have her doing a gratitude list, just three things, but they have to be three different things every day. And so then when she's having a rough time, I can say to her, I want you to look back at the last month before last and, you know, pick 10 days consecutively and look at what you were, what you have in your life that you may not be aware of right now. It's really powerful to be able to use those things um, because there are times, I, I know I've experienced it when people are like, you laugh too much, you know, like, why are you always like, you? what is this? You like you're floating. Yes. You know, people are yes. so uncomfortable with that. And um, and it used to make me feel like self-conscious. So, Nobia, I thought something was wrong with me. Yes. Wonderful. I remember, I'll never forget, I had this job. I was a teacher and I was like one of those uh, pull-out teachers that picked out students who were struggling or, you know, just falling, falling through the cracks, right? And uh, I went into this building. So I was new to this one building and I used to have to get there like 11 a.m. And I showed up um one morning and the secretary said to me oh you have some mail in your mailbox and i said oh my gosh thank you so much and when i walked in i was like good morning and then uh she was like she looked at me like what the hell is wrong with you and i you know i really was genuinely like good morning and she was like you have some mail in your mailbox i said thank you and i you know very chipper, walked over to my mailbox and, and, you know, pulled out my mail. And I was like, all right, have a great day, everybody. And she literally turned to me and said, so you really are like that? And I turned around like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Because I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm over here being kind and, you know, just as positive as I can be. And she looked at me like I was a dumbass. Yeah. I was just beside myself needless to say i never fucking walked in the office again mm. but it was it was an awful experience you know and i was at the time i was like in my late 20s so you know insecurity ran rampant <laughs> mm -hmm. but i legitimately was like holy shit it's a bad thing to be happy and bubbly and positive and that happened to me so many times in my past that I got to the point where I was like, so I guess I just walk around acting like an asshole all the time. Is that what it is? 
so I can get people's respect. It's funny you say that because that reminds me of like this topic of transgenerational trauma that we're going to talk about eventually because people from certain ethnic backgrounds use stoicism as a defense mechanism and it's taught in families not to be too chipper because um, the world is tough and you have to know how to deal with it. And that was one of the things my dad used to always say to me, you're too soft, you're too soft. You're gonna, you know, the world's gonna eat you alive. And it was like he was parenting me so that I could have to, so that I could go out and deal with a tough world because that's what how he saw the world. Because, you know, when he was, um, coming up and when in the world that he lived in, there was a lot of oppression. There's still a lot of oppression, but it's, um, there wasn't a sense of, I have the autonomy and the power to um, stand up for myself. Standing up for himself might've gotten him lynched. So I just wanna mention that. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I could totally see that. And I, I have similar experiences with, you know, as a, as a child and my parents parenting me. And um, I was always looked at as like, you're going to embarrass me today, Wanda. So you need to be quiet. You need to sit still. Don't move. I think that's also where the concept of children are seen but not heard comes from, right? Because God forbid you ever interjected in an adult conversation you your ass was fried like you were gonna get it um and so for the most part i learned very quickly never to speak around adults um but you know once i became an adult it was like i i couldn't understand it and you know kindness and positivity and bubbliness was looked at as weakness or stupidity um and i think it still is to some degree so people don't, you know, you can't be too bubbly because you're annoying or you're like weird or you're just like, I don't want to be around you kind of thing. Yeah. But I tell all those people, kiss my ass. <laughs> you don't like my bubbliness. See the door? Don't let it hit you on your ass on your way out. <laughs> don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Ah, yes. You say it nicer than I do. <laughs> I'm grateful for all my experiences, good and bad. Um, obviously, it's hard to be grateful in the moment of a bad situation. <laughs> but, you know, in hindsight, you reflect. And, yeah, I'm super grateful for all that I've experienced, all that I have, all that I've achieved. I feel so blessed. I'd like to learn how to be grateful in the moment. You know, I think that's my next big frontier is like when that, when what I perceive to be negative is happening, to trust that all things work for the good. And I still have a real difficult time with that. And when certain things happen, I shut down altogether. You know, like I won't even begin to think about anything because I just, I think I'm just so afraid. But I, I would like to be in a place where I can, um, and I think I have done that, as a matter of fact. Um, I have started to do that, like to be aware, 
that this may not look the way I want it to look, but it's still okay. And that there is a plan that I don't know the plan. My girlfriend Jazz used to say, there is a God, he has a plan. No, the, there is a plan, God knows the plan and you're not it or something like that. You're not God, like, you know, so that I don't need to know the plan, but that, you know, I, that I can trust that I'm being taken care of. When you come from trauma, it's really difficult to have that kind of trust because it's like, well, when I was a kid, I couldn't trust that. So what? why do I trust that now? When I was a kid, I didn't have the autonomy that I have now. I didn't have the ability to make decisions for myself and take care of myself and protect myself because I was a kid. So there's a lot of things that are different now. So I, I want to really start to embrace that whatever is happening in my life is happening for my good. I think that you raised a really good point earlier, both of you, when you were talking about the different belief systems that we assimilated from the parents and, and guardians, the adults in our lives um, growing up, because I think that's a common thing for children growing up in ethnic communities. Um, the parents are from a place of love, well-intentioned, wanting to prepare their child for a difficult life. And it presupposes that the child is going to be a victim. It presupposes that the child is going to enter a world where they are not empowered, where they are not powerful, where they are candles blowing around in the wind. And I think that culturally that many people of color are not raised with the thought system of, hey, it's really important for your energy to find gratitude for yourself today. And so that now as we're moving into our conscious awareness, we have to then look at why does, you know, the practice of feeling grateful for myself or, or even depending on who you are, anything else, why is that such a lift? Why does that feel like I'm efforting? Why is it not natural? It's actually the energy is going against the grain and there comes the deconstruction. Can I believe that I am empowered, you know, with this divine energy to create my own reality? Or do I make the choice to believe what I was taught to believe when I was seven? You know, and so in that way, I agree with Wanda. Everything is a choice. Um, and so, you know, I, I love the, you guys know that I love the, the one of the favorite unconditional thoughts that I like to construct. Um, in workshops is the homework of everybody going home and saying, everyone in the world only wants to be kind to me, right? Oh, shit. She uh, brought it out. <laughs> because it... She brought that shit out. Did you hear it? Oh, shit. Now, I say world because, as Zenobia said earlier, you have to start on a smaller scale that's comprehensible sometimes. What I really want to say most of the time is everyone in the universe. All right. There's a question. Only wants to be kind to me and that, share their abundance with me. There it is. That's my hippie. Go ahead. <laughs> Preach it. Yes. Because then can you imagine all the different things that we would have even more things to be grateful for? Every thought, 
and I agree with Zenobia, moment to moment in the present moment is a choice. But we were, and I and I say this only because, you know, people of in the ethnic minority community, and I don't even like the word minority, in the ethnic communities, I, you know, we're, we're told at early ages in some way, shape or form, you are not safe. You, you are not safe. They are going to come for you. That is the actual polar opposite of feeling empowered and feeling as though you actually do control the experiences that you have, you know? Um, and what I like is that this generation is, be, is becoming self-actualized. It's a process. It's a lifelong journey. We're probably not going to get it done before we check out of here, but we are becoming more self-actualized and we are able to then share that with the generations below us, you know, and you do, you, you do better when you know better. Right. So I know that's right. In my day, we were not told, Oh, you know, baby, your best is good enough. It was like, you better watch your back. Right. You, you better work four times as hard to be thought of half as good because not only are you a woman, you're a woman of color, which is what I was told, right? So, you, you know, the other woman can work twice as hard to be thought of as you got to work four times as hard. So now we have all the hyperachievers being born because hyperachievers don't have time to slow down to show gratitude. We have punch lists. We have checklists. We have things we have to manage and things we have to do and people that have to stay straight, you know, because and that that's kind of traumatic, generally speaking. We were not trained into gratitude. We were not trained into leveraging that energy as a superpower, is what I'm saying. I don't, it wasn't safe in terms of oppression, coming out of oppression. Like my father and mother had to sit on the back of the bus. They had to use colored bathrooms and colored water fountains. And, you know, these, this was the, they fought, my dad fought in Vietnam, Germany, and Korea and came home and didn't have any rights. He had, they had to walk and wear signs that say, I am a man, That's so that they, he could have access to a living wage. So for, to, for me to think that he would be able to instill some kind of, you know, sense of a positive self in me is really like setting him up for failure and setting me up for failure. The difference is, is that we've made enough progress somehow energetically that I can instill that in my child, but I'm still very afraid. And I have to be honest because it's new, first of all, it's a new thing. So we're doing groundbreaking behaviors and, um, and I don't know what the outcome is. And I know he's a black male who is in a very coveted situation. And if he's too flashy with it, could someone try to take it from him? Yeah. So I have to find a balance with it for him. I mean, we have really exercised this idea of creating our his own life and, and like having what you want and being who you are. I mean, we have really created in his life. But like now that we've gotten a lot of the gifts, it's kind of scary because people don't do very well with, well, traditionally people haven't done very well. I believe that people will open their arms for him because he's a wonderful person. And I'm trying to really hold on to that belief because it, it's scary thinking about what history has 
taught us. I agree. And I think for the most part, um, that's the difficult aspect of trying to get over the hump. And I think honestly, that's where people struggle feeling gratitude. People say to me, right, I can be grateful for everything I have, but what happens when the circumstances are not under my control? When somebody somebody chooses to be racist or discriminatory or just downright nasty. But I do think that there has been a time that I lived my life very hyper aware of the racial differences. And I did have a different experience than some of my girlfriends who weren't. I have a girlfriend named Eugenia who used to always say to me that I'm always focused on the racial stuff. And she didn't, you know, and and so they may, it may have still been happening to her, but she just ignored it. So she, it didn't even come into her awareness. I've had a me, I'm experience. like looking for it. Like, look, you see, they don't want us in here. Yeah. They, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know. I know exactly what that feels like. Cause yeah, I've had the it, same experience. In them. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I don't, I, you know, it, it's, it was an interesting dynamic. It's interesting to see myself versus herself. If she'll walk into a room, like she is the queen of the universe and people treat her like that. And I walk into a place and I'm hyper aware and, and hyper vigilant about how I'm perceived and how they're treating me. And people start following me to see if I'm stealing, you know, so <laughs> no, not really. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. so I think that um, there is something to that, Michelle. Well, I think that confirms what Michelle says, that if you walk around and you. I don't want to say buy into the belief, but you truly accept that everybody wants to be only kind to you in this world that's probably what your experience will be as a result of you choosing here we go choosing to live life through that lens right and so i don't know i think i've come to a place in my life where because i did put it to the test i did the experiment and surely people were kind to me even when I wasn't being so sweet, for lack of a better word. Um, but I think that probably like many other people, I struggle with reality versus my perception. So I can walk around all day long saying, everybody in the world only wants to be kind to me. And that's the lens with which I will see life and I will live. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, bitch, I know we live in a racist ass country, so let's not be stupid. It's a choice though, and I'm choosing. I'm choosing to see all these racist motherfuckers out there. <laughs> Where do we even start? Where? Oh God, come on. How do hippie. we even? All right, my hippie, how me, do we even get me to where that. I need to be. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so I realized that although they were well-intentioned, I got a lot of limiting beliefs from my father. Well-intentioned, he was just scared for me. That's all, that's all that was. And so that fear translated. And I, as I began to take responsibility for my energy, my reality and the thoughts that created it, I started to wonder what are the thoughts that oppose the limiting lack-based beliefs I was taught? 
So if racism exists in the world and one has to give that validity because there are so many people throughout history that have experienced that, then what is the opposite of that thought that would create the opposite reality? If the belief in one thought creates a reality, then the opposing thought creates the opposing reality. So that's why I started to create unconditional, what I call unconditional beliefs that would oppose the lack-based limiting beliefs that I was taught. And everyone in the universe, because now you know we have to include everyone in the universe, all of the people in the universe, not just in the world, because as we understand now, our wonderful, lovely government is now going through disclosure. And so now we can all safely and comfortably, without feeling like we'll be the victims of people-pleasing abuse, we can now say everyone in the universe um, only wants to be kind to me, because that is the opposite thought of racism. It is the opposite foundation that we are different, and that because we are different, we're going to treat each other differently. And actually, and 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 again, science has already is already catching up now with what we've already known. Only love is real, but love is just a word for an energy that exists in a quantum field. It that's all we call it. Love. It's just an energy frequency signature. That's really all it is. And everything in the quantum field is entangled. So. What I like about what's happening is, is that it's starting to catch up with what we've always known in our hearts. We're all one. We are all in this together. And we are all really just walking each other home. And that truth does not bifurcate ethnicities. Now, there are people that don't believe that of all colors. And there are people that do believe that of all colors. And I think that if we're going to start to be able to expand our own internal ability to help other people, we have to first be able to go through the rather painful process of identity deconstruction. And we have to look at those beliefs that we were taught. We have to look at the experiences that we had. We have to somehow, each in our own way, because everybody approaches it very differently and in their own time, we have to bring love and healing to those parts of us. Because if we don't, there are going to be some people that are able to see that we are all one. And there are going to be people that are not ever able to be to see that because they can't overcome the past. And the past is no longer here. I mean, even from a linear point of view, the past is gone. That is not even present in this present moment. The only way that that can live is through how we perceive it and how we want to keep it alive, the meaning behind it, the intention as to how we want to use that information is the energy that we're going to create with. So I know it sounds hippie-ish, and you're not wrong, that everyone in the universe only wants to be kind to me. But I knew at some point that the things that I created, the experiences I created in my life, in my 30s, in my early 40s, was because I did believe in racism, because I was told to believe in it. I did not see us all as one. I was very selective. I was very conditional. I was very limited. I only saw certain people as one. And everybody outside of that circle was not included. That is a limited, lack-based way of living and seeing the world. And I can say that because I had to work my way through that. So I had to, if I was going to grow, I had to create 
unconditional beliefs that seem absolutely ridiculous because they fly in the face of other people's experience. And this is what I'm realizing now. Just because I'm observing your experience does not mean that it is mine. It, it means that I am able to see what your experience is. And your experience has nothing to do with me in my present moment. And as human beings, we have the most difficult time bifurcating and understanding that truth. But just because something happens to you does not mean I am required to experience it. You are entitled to have your own experience, and so am I. And both are equally valid, and both are equally beneficial, regardless of how they play out or how they roll out. And so, yeah, from time to time on this beautiful podcast, I am going to slip in some of my unconditional beliefs in the hopes that somebody out there, one person might hear it. 10 people could be like, she's a whack job. I get that. That's exactly what I was going to translate. (laughs) Trans, I'm translating what you just said. Yes, yes. You're fucking whack job. I know. And you know what? And the good thing is, is I love me so much. I'm good with that. I love but, you too. But, but you're still a, a whack. But there's one person who's going to be like, <laughs> it is going to be a game changer. Like they would have never, ever thought of, of creating an unconditional thought and even allowed the possibility. So that's what I feel like we're here to do. And I think that's what the three of us are doing is we're kind of like, throwing our experiences and throwing our experience, you know, all of our perspectives in this big pot and we're kind of rolling it around and having fun with it. And, and someone out there is going to get it either from Wanda's or Zenobia's or mine. And maybe the person that sees exactly what Zenobia is saying, you know, is going to be like, that other one, that Buddha girl, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. I get, the, I get, I get Zenobia. That's that one is mine, right? And then there might be the one who's like, oh, I don't get Zenobia, but I really get Wanda. Like, I get that. That resonates with me. I totally connect with that. And the fact that there's three of us means we have tripled the potentiality of actually reaching people by saying very similar things, but each from our own lens. So. Even though I think we've we've all said it from our own lens, I think it's all good. I think it's all good, and it, and it's working for the good. Yeah. I first have to say, before we end this, that I want a cut because I coined Buddha Girl. That's number one. It was me, just saying. And secondly, I hear you on what you're saying. And I do believe that somebody out there is going to somehow resonate with me or resonate with Zenobia or resonate with you, Michelle. Oil, those are the quacks. But even though my experience is mine, I know that there are people who have very similar experiences and that needs to be validated. So even though my experience is mine and I lived it and I will do with it whatever it is I choose to do with it, it, you can't deny that when many people have had very similar experiences, it creates 
a space where these challenging thoughts that you talk about are not easily accepted or even sought out. And so I don't know, but I, you know, Zenobia and I have a very um, personal relationship outside of um, what we do professionally. And I'm so grateful for that. And I know that her and I have said some things to each other and we're like, holy shit, I went through the same exact experience. Um, which not only does it unify us, but it also validates that our experience is real. So I, I just want to be careful with that statement of what happens to you is your experience only. Because for many people, some of their experiences are lived in very much the same way. And that brings about validity. I am so, in total, total yeah. agreement with everything that you just said. And, and that is, that is all true, which is why I, I absolutely wanted it to acknowledge the validity of everyone's experiences, which are coming through the host lens of their perspectives. For me, the journey has been to experience the victimhood of racism in, in, in hellacious life altering forms to, to go through that experience and then to still understand that I was a part of that. I, I have to choose whether or not I'm a victim in this world. I have to choose whether or not I'm going to be a prisoner of my father's fears, my mother's fears. I have to choose every day what I'm going to believe and what I'm going to experience. So in my own journey of understanding the quantum physics of how we create our reality, it is true. It is not comfortable, but it is true that at some point you have to look at your life and choose whether or not you're going to be a victim or you're going to be empowered. And unfortunately, there's not a lot, there, there's a lot of half steps in between the two, but ultimately you do got to pick a side. And when you pick that side, you have to also be able to decide and choose, am I going to be a slave to the past story or am I going to create a new one? And is that even possible? And so for me, although I do understand that there, there is substantiation from large groups of people that have experienced a similar thing, I, have, I am not here because I have not, not experienced racism. I am here saying that I have experienced it and I choose to create a different world by eliminating it. And a lot of people think that that's crazy. And a lot of people will think that that is not an achievable goal. But only I decide what is achievable in my life. I am not living my life by the benchmarks of other people. And at some point, we have to move into our un unapologetic expression of what are we going to create? I want to know that when I, I leave this car that I'm driving, this avatar, this meat suit, that I'm occupying, 
that when they put me in the ground and they put, you know, the name of this avatar on the tombstone, that maybe, maybe I didn't eliminate racism. Maybe I didn't bring the entirety of the planet into the field of oneness with love. But maybe before I left, I, I took a really big ding out of it. And I'll be happy with that because my best is good enough. But the one person can have a different truth than the million that have experienced a different event. And when I think about that, I think about the historical leaders in our culture and in, in, in the culture of humanity, right? I think of Gandhi. I think of Martin Luther King. I think of all the people that chose to see something different and paved the way, each in their own expression. And then other people joined on. But before they opened their mouths, there was a different truth in place and they saw it differently. And so I think that right now, humanity is moving into a different level of understanding consciousness. And and Wanda, we have a choice. It doesn't negate someone. It, it doesn't negate someone else's truth. It just says, "This is mine." That's yes. all it says, and nothing right. more. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like I have a choice to love my quacky friend and sister, Michelle. <laughs> I love you. I know. I love you too. <laughs> and I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for Zenobia. I'm grateful for this podcast. I'm grateful. I have much gratitude. We love you too. Thank you. This has been a really, really powerful um, podcast session. And I really appreciated the dialogue between you two. At the end, I just listened. And I, I love that there's a space where people can have differing ideas and Absolutely. still have respect for each other. Yes. Um, and still love each other. You, there's not a lot of spaces for that anymore. People are so hypersensitive to everything. Mm -hmm. and so I um, appreciate both of you. And I don't know how I feel about it. I can identify with both, <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I, 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 but it's so wonderful to have people in my life that have two different perspectives and I can listen to both and they help to inform wherever I end up. So mm -hmm. this is great. Thanks, guys. Well, everybody, this is the wrap for episode five, Gratitude. Be well, everybody.